you have to trust the person's actions instead of trusting what they say. You know, I know that's another lesson for me because I always want to believe what people say, but it's like their actions is actually speaking louder than the words that they say, you know, and a lot of uh, narcissism and toxic manipulative individuals are very um, manipulative with how they speak. But when you actually pay attention to what they do, then that can kind of help you. But unfortunately, us victims and survivors may not want to believe it. Hey, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today, I'm here with Joy Larkin. Joy is a life coach, executive director, public speaker, mentor, and counselor. She's the founder and CEO of Live Narc Free, an organization that helps individuals learn how to reclaim their well-being, self-esteem, love, relationship, and how to break free from narcissistic abuse. Joy believes in a society of strong, beautiful, and powerful people who can accomplish anything by overcoming any struggles in their way and maintaining high standards for themselves. She is a narcissist mentor who has established a unique approach in sharing her true life experience in a way that transforms young teenagers and narcissist victims with lessons that can reignite their mindset and potentials. She obtained her Bachelor of Science degree in general studies, joys a life coach in the world of a narcissist, and has made several appearances on television and radio, as well as featured in notable magazines for her outstanding awareness against victims of a narcissist. She distinguished herself with the ability to identify and develop a winning potential that can help individuals to achieve core mission and to believe our past life journey does not dictate our life. We cannot change the events that have occurred in our past. In some instances, we may not have had much choice in them, but we do have the power to create our future. As a life coach, she has helped her clients recognize their unique capabilities by addressing negative strongholds and move forward unapologetically in power and purpose. Joy is gifted to inspire every individual with a vision that portrays the image of who you are and what you want to achieve from inside out. She attributes her success to her sincere desire to help victims of narcissistic abuse to get free and stay free to move on to a better, stronger you. With five plus years of experience as a life coach, she has transformed thousands of lives through her training and coaching. Joy is willing to share her experience with others who have an aspiration to become a stronger version of themselves. She applies her coaching and experience with holistic principles and offering victims of narcissists practical tips and tools that can be used and implemented to achieve immediate results. Joy, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you really? Thank you for that intro and bio. Um, I'm doing pretty good. It's quite a, a interesting day for me. The weather is actually not too cold, but the wind um, is like been blowing like really crazy hard. So, um, but overall, I'm actually, I'm doing pretty well for the most part. How about yourself? Well, first, I hate when the wind is blowing really hard. Like the temperature's <laughs> not bad, but the wind is just moving you left and right. But yes. I am doing well as well. It's a beautiful sunny day over here in South Florida. So I have not much to complain about. Right. And I'm really excited for this conversation with you. And I'm really interested in what inspired you to become a coach for narcissism abuse. Yes, absolutely. So basically, um, when I was 17 years old, um, I'm a native of Delaware. Um, I moved to California when I was 17. And um, while living in California, I um, was living with my aunt. And I found out that uh, after the fact that she was a narcissist. 
And while living with her, um, I met a guy online, um, didn't know he was a narc, um, but we met for business reasons. And then it kind of turned into a relationship, friendship. And um, I found that he was a narcissist as well after the fact. And um, after being so heartbroken, excuse me, heartbroken, and I just felt lost, sad. I felt um, ashamed and lonely, depressed. And I just needed a way to release how I was feeling. And I thought of um, going on YouTube and making a video, which I had already had a channel and a following prior to doing um, my coaching. But I made a video and it got a lot of likes and views. And that's how I've been on this journey of coaching. So that is amazing to come from a place of pain and heartbreak and just trauma and turn it into something so beautiful to help others, to help others who are going through the same thing you went through. A lot of people take their pain and they bury it and they use it as an excuse to be angry or be hurt or hurt others. And you're using it as a reason to help others. That Mm -hmm. is just so beautiful. So as a coach, how do you help individuals who have experienced this type of abuse? Yes, absolutely. So I do offer many um, services, like as far as my coaching. So I do 90 day coaching um, where, you know, I walk my clients um, and I help them to overcome narcissistic abuse for a 90 day period. Obviously, it's just not for 90 days, but it's just kind of like a stepping stone. Um, I also um, help them turn their pain into power. So kind of like a situation like myself, you know, if they have any interest in becoming a coach like myself, I do help them with that for a 90 day period. I also do have um, support sessions. So it's just basically, you know, if, you know, any of the victims or survivors just need a listening ear, I do offer um, support sessions that range from 30 minutes, 45 minutes, um, 90 minutes, 60 minutes, and so forth. And then I also offer um, video and audio courses, um, which kind of talk about, you know, overcoming narcissistic abuse, how to recognize a narcissist, how to build better boundaries, how to break patterns in relationships. So I have that as well. And then I also have the other psychedelic spectrum where I do readings. So it doesn't necessarily have to be about a narcissist relationship, but just if they need any um, clarity or any guidance or any support about a particular situation in their life, then I would just um, do a reading for them, personal reading. And then that's usually how I help my clients. You have a wide range of options to help people. Yes. What inspired you to take an approach that offers, you know, the 90 days versus like 30 to 60 minute sessions? versus just the readings? What inspired you to take that route? Um, Really, because I understand that everybody has a different way that they learn and a different way that they need to be supported and understood and heard. Um, So I felt like, you know, the 90 day coaching program is someone that wants intensive work as far as, you know, overcoming narcissistic abuse versus someone that just wants to be heard for 30 minutes or just wants to need an explanation and understanding why they feel this way or why they attracted a narcissist or, you know, just however they're feeling for the moment in time. So not everybody wants to be, you know, coached for 90 days. Somebody, sometimes people just want to just talk. They just need a listening ear. And then as far as the readings, you know, maybe again, they may not even be dealing with a narcissist they just want some advice they just want some guidance on their life 
And that's why I inspired that. Because I, I know that everybody has different situations and circumstances. So that was the reasons why I offered the different services. So I absolutely love that. You really customized it to everyone's different needs. But before we dive too deep into your work with narcissism, for those who don't know, what is narcissism? Yeah, so narcissism is basically, um, it's a person, they have um, an excessive uh, interest and admiration um, of their self, and um, they have a need, um, they have an interest in their appearance, like they are just overly admired with their own appearance and you know um yeah it's, it's basically they have an excessive interest and admiration of their self and then also their physical appearance so. so from that explanation how did you recognize that your aunt and later on boyfriend were both narcissists because I feel like we live in a world today where everyone's a little bit obsessed with how they look just because of social media and we're kind of we're kind of forced into being obsessed with ourselves to put on that yeah. image that society ex- expects us to look like and be. So right. how did you recognize that you were actually dealing with narcissists? Yeah, that's a good question. Really, um, I unfortunately didn't notice it until after the fact. Um, but, you know, once I wasn't in contact with them anymore, you know, I did my research and then I kind of, I looked back on my experience with both my aunt and the male narc that I dealt with. And I realized like how I felt, you know, um, while I was around them, um, narcissists are not nice people. Um, they belittle you, demean you, degrade you. And I, I remember I had flashbacks of that, you know, and then also, um, I realized how they would not allow me to feel my feelings, how, um, you know, they would talk to me, talk down on me. And um, I just, I wasn't allowed to be myself around them, you know, and I I just felt like that that wasn't normal. And that just kind of made me do my research and to see what exactly I was dealing with, you know, and so that that's kind of how I was able to determine what I was um, dealing with, with both my aunt and the male narc that I was dating at the time. So it must be really hard to be belittled all the time and talked down to. That must have taken a major toll on your mental health. Yes. It was did. there a moment where you recognize, like, I am struggling and I need to get out of this? Yes, there there was um, actually a lot of times. And um, I felt hopeless. I felt like I didn't, I couldn't go anywhere because at the moment in time, I was 17 and um, I was living with my aunt she was like my caretaker and um she was all I knew you know at that during that period of time and so I I didn't know where to go I had friends um at the time but it's like they wasn't going through that situation so it was kind of difficult for them to understand um but yeah it it was a different experience and found myself needing to get out of it but just not knowing how to so and even the guy that I dealt with um it's crazy because like the male narc that I uh, was dating, I fell in love with him, which is crazy. And it's like he wasn't real, like the personality that he presented to be himself. It, it wasn't even who he really was, you know, and that's what I had known at the time. I had, was dealing with him for four years and I was so afraid to, you know, venture out and talk, talk to other people, date other people. But that he was what I knew. So when did you recognize that? you fell in love with someone that didn't exist? 
Ooh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, it was after the fact, after I went no contact with him and I realized that he was actually trying to hurt me and um, that he really didn't have good intentions for me and that he didn't mean me well. And I was very, very hurtful because I felt like I didn't deserve that. And I felt that, I don't know, I just thought that was cruel. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that there were, of course, like, I don't know, I guess I was in a bubble. <laughs> Living in a bubble, um, I was a native of Delaware. I don't know if you've ever been to Delaware, but it's such a, a small state. Nobody, yeah, <laughs> nobody really goes there. And going from Delaware all the way to California is like such a big eye opener, you know, cultural shock for sure, you know. And so um, I just, I wasn't expecting it. It was just devastating. It just made me keep my eyes open and be like, wow, like people, there are really people out there that are really trying to hurt you, you know? So it was just a valuable lesson for me to learn. Unfortunately, I had to learn that lesson, but I think in the end it's good because I have that experience now and it can kind of help me with future experiences, so. I love how you find the bright side of the situation, especially when it is something that, I mean, it's traumatizing to find out that the person you fell in love with never really existed. So what advice would you have for someone else who is in a similar situation? Yeah, I would say um, you have to trust the person's actions instead of trusting what they say. You know, I know that's another lesson for me because I always want to believe what people say, but it's like their actions is actually speaking louder than the words that they say, you know, and a lot of uh, narcissism and toxic manipulative individuals are very um, manipulative with how they speak, but when you actually pay attention to what they do, then that can kind of help you. But unfortunately, us victims and survivors may not want to believe it, you know, Um, but definitely listen to your intuition. It'll never steer you wrong. Um, But again, it's like, if a person shows you who they are, you have to believe them. So I would just say, um, yeah, just listen to yourself and just do what's right for you and know that, you know, that person isn't going to change, you know, but you have to trust yourself and trust that you're making the right decision, especially if you are getting mistreated by a loved one, you know, so. That is lovely advice. And I think a lot of people listening can relate at least to an extent, even if they have never been a victim of narcissistic abuse, because we've all been in situations where someone has made us feel bad about ourselves. And we thought they were someone that they weren't. So what advice do you have for someone who later finds out that the person who was their friend, their family member, their loved one, whoever they are, isn't treating them with respect, isn't loving them for who they are, and it's taking a toll on their mental health. What advice do you have for someone who wants to learn how to cope with that, with that feeling? Yeah, for wanting to cope with it is, you know, um, understanding, you know, that this person is who they are, um, knowing that they're not going to change. Again, um, they have to really uh, set their boundaries, uh, stick up for themselves, um, and remove themselves, distance themselves from the situation to protect their sanity, to protect their mental health. And then they really have to focus on you know, their self-esteem and uh, building themselves back up because they've been abused. They've been a victim of 
you know, a toxic person or of a narcissist, um, you know, so they have to really work on rebuilding their sense of self back up, um, reclaiming, reclaiming their identity and um, being the best version of themselves. But they, it all starts with the individual person that was, you know, in that particular situation with that family member or, you know, friend, all that stuff. So again, that is lovely and beautiful advice. <laughs> and yeah. I think that a lot of times when we listen to people talk about different situations and different mental illnesses like narcissism, we're like, oh my goodness, is that me? Am I that person? Because (laughs) you find those little similarities like, (laughs) oh, I'm a little obsessed with my appearance and the way I look. I'm hitting the gym 10 times a week. And so Mm -hmm. for those people who are now sitting on the edge of their seats wondering, is this me? Oh my goodness. What are some of the warning signs that are the difference between being a human being in today's world and being a narcissist? Yeah, so I and I, I get it because again, with social media, social pressure, you know, the pressure to look good, the pressure to be beautiful, slim, and you know, all that stuff. A lot of people are obsessed with how they look and you know, all that stuff in their appearance. Um, but the only difference is that um, as long as you're not harming anyone, as long as you're not exploiting anyone, you know, for your own personal gain, that is the difference. But as far as, you know, if you are wondering if you may be um, a narcissist, really, it's like if you have this grand sense of self, you know, this grand curiosity sense of self, you know, you constantly need praise and attention and admiration but it's, it's just constantly like because yeah we all want to be accepted we all want to be approved that's it's nothing wrong with that but again it's like if you just constantly need it and you're just you know full of yourself and you just like need you need to be the constant center of attention all the time like it's a must you know what I mean like it's like you're not the only person on the universe like other people have lives too and deserve to be acknowledged. You know what I mean? And um, the other thing is, is that, you know, a sense of entitlement, you know, a lot of uh, people that are narcissists have a sense of entitlement, not only over the things in their life, but like their victims. So meaning it could be their children, it could be their partners, or even like jobs, bosses, coworkers, all that stuff, you know? And then, you know, again, if they are exploiting other people for their own personal gain, you know what I mean? And they have no sense of shame. There's no sense of guilt, no sense of regret, you know, that they're hurting other people because narcissists, they don't feel anything like there's no love. There's no empathy. There's nothing, you know, and they constantly, if you could find yourself, you know, bullying people, demeaning people, degrading them and intimidating them, then you might be a narcissist, but the thing about it is how you can really tell if you're a narcissist or not is the fact that um, you don't want change and you don't even admit that there's something wrong with you because narcissists think that they're perfect. There's nothing they could do is wrong. You know, if you question them, they'll gaslight you, make it seem like you're the problem. So that's that's kind of the, the difference between the two. And also the other thing is the frequency and um, the the intensity of the um, these behaviors is how they can kind of tell and how often and if it's like is, is this a lifestyle or is this just every now and then and then you may apologize to the person maybe that you've committed uh, something against so all yeah. of those kind of symptoms 
really show how much of a toll it can take to be to love a narcissist whether it is a family member friend romantic no matter who it is it sounds like it can really really take a toll on your mental health and I know earlier you talked about feeling hopeless because you felt stuck due to your age and due to who you fell in love with but diving deeper into your mental health how did this these relationships really affect you so basically, um, how it made me feel and how it affected me, again, I felt worthless. I felt hopeless. You know, I really had a, a really low self-esteem. Um, I blamed myself. Um, I felt so shameful. I felt embarrassed. I felt not good enough. Um, and it was just a fear of the present and a fear of future, honestly. And I, I didn't know that it would have that much of effect on me. And I also found myself having um, PTSD and CPTSD, which I know they say a lot of like the war veterans have that, but it's crazy because I found myself actually having those experiences and I didn't know that it was going to be that traumatizing, you know, Um, but it did. But luckily um, I didn't allow it to change me for the worst because I know that some people that do go through these experiences allow it to define them and they just decide like, hey, I'm just going to, you know, um, not fall in love again. I'm going to be rude to the next people that I'm dating. I'm going to treat them how I was treated. And I I don't know. I just felt like I didn't want to do that. And I I felt like it was more to the situation. And I I just didn't want to allow those experiences to change me, you know. And so, yeah, but it it really, it had a huge, huge negative effect on me. But it didn't change me, so... I love how you said that didn't change you because you're so right. We tend to close ourselves off after heartbreak, after being hurt, after when we start to feel worthless and not good enough, we close ourselves off because we're one, afraid someone else might see how we're not good enough and it may become apparent to others, but two, because we don't want, we don't feel like we're good enough and we don't want to feel hurt anymore. We don't want to accidentally hurt someone else. And we do close ourselves off. So I love that you didn't. And this really makes me wonder, is it actually possible to have a healthy relationship with someone who is a narcissist? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I personally have not heard of it myself. Um, but I would say, you know, if you can recognize that, you know, maybe maybe it's apparent that you have a, this type of relationship with, you just have to accept that this is who they are. They're not going to change. And you may just have to spend less time with them, you know, like limit the contact, distance yourself, that kind of stuff. But usually I haven't had that experience and I've been dealing with narcissists since 2010 and it hasn't happened yet. So, Wow. It sounds like it's really difficult and you would need to set boundaries that work for both you and the other person and healthy boundaries that protect you because the toll it took on your mental health really shows that you, you can experience a lot of pain. You can go through a lot of trauma. And if you don't protect yourself, then it's not a healthy relationship and it's not one that you really need to be in be in because they're better than that. So I really want to go back to your story because you were in a household with a narcissist, like your aunt, and then you formed a relationship with one afterwards. So 
if you are growing up in a household with a narcissist or you've been in a relationship with one before, are you more or less likely to form a relationship with someone else who is a narcissist? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say um, in my particular situation, that was the case because I didn't know what I was dealing with. Um, I didn't realize that, you know, she was a narcissist. So I think the type of behavior and the way that I was treated was normal for me. I didn't recognize it as being toxic. So like when I went to, when I was dealing with the male narc, I was just like, oh, okay, that's like how my household was. That's, that's home. You know, it's nothing different. But I think, um, you know, if you can recognize, okay, hey, I've been in this type of household where it was toxic, it was dysfunction, you know, damaging, destructive. Um, if you can do that inner healing, do the inner work, which means, you know, again, building your self-esteem, building yourself um, worth, working through the CPTSD, all of that stuff, um, working through your confidence, I think it can kind of help you not attract another narcissist you know but it all starts with that individual person and doing that inner healing but unfortunately in my case I didn't know what I was dealing with and I I didn't do the research because I I didn't think much of it you know because the time that I was living with my aunt I was I moved to California when I was 17 and I didn't leave my aunt's house until I think I was like 21 or 22 so that was quite a a long time um, while I was living with her but even um, I moved out um but I was still like in contact with her, but I didn't go no contact with my aunt until 2015. So we were still kind of, you know, having a, um, a relationship, but what's crazy is like, I did go no contact with the male narc in 2014. And, um, so, but I, I think that, you know, with me doing the, the inner healing and the inner work, it, it definitely does help me not to attract another, um, narcissist relationship so so yeah it sounds like the inner work is really what that self-awareness is actually really what it takes and when you're not aware of what's happening what's happening to you around you you don't know better and you think that is normal and I think we see that a lot in relationships in general that people tend to fall in love with someone who's a lot like one of their parents Mm -hmm. because that's what they associate love as Mm mm-hmm So being aware that maybe the type of love that you are used to is not the love that you deserve. You deserve better. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for someone who may be stuck in a pattern of forming relationships with narcissists um, to get that self-awareness? Yes, that's a great question. It's funny because I actually talk about that in my um, video course called How to Break Patterns in um, Narc Relationships and Preventing Narc Relationships in the Future. Um, But basically, um, you have to recognize this pattern, right? Because what it is, is a narcissist, um, they are emotionally unavailable um, type of partners. And again, like you mentioned, it's like, sometimes we can get stuck thinking that that's love, or that's all we know. But it's like, again, we don't deserve that. So you have to accept that that's not the type of love that you deserve, you know, but again, um, recognize, recognizing that pattern, understand it, realize that it's causing you a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. Um, this is not, it's not working out for you, you know, and it's no way that you can fix it to make that person better, change them. There's nothing that you can do, but the, the, the thing about it is that you have to um, heal yourself, heal that part of you that's attracted to you know, emotionally unavailable people or narcissists or toxic individuals. 
um, you know, and you have to practice the self-talk do again, you know, whether it's journaling or getting support or, you know, um, just rebuilding your life, working through the CPTSD, the cognitive dissonance, all that stuff. Um, you have to, uh, work on that and, um, practice a lot of self-care, um, study healthy relationships, study healthy relating, because this is going to um, help you to stop creating that pattern of, attracting narcissists you know what I mean so doing that self inner healing work is really is what's going to help that individual and then also too if that means getting coaching or therapy or counseling you know what I mean and or even you know if it's talking to your parents about how you were raised and maybe having a conversation with them but not blaming them but maybe asking them like hey why am I attracting these type of people? What happened to me when I was a child? You know, doing that inner child healing as well. Um, you know, and then forgiving your parents, forgiving yourself, and then being able to recognize when you start dating again, if you see those red flags, if you see those signs, you have to really trust and believe that, right? And then you'll be, you'll be able to pick a better person, you know what I mean, for the next relationship, so... Again, amazing advice. I love listening <laughs> to you. Um, so it really sounds like the next step after recognizing that you have a narcissist in your life is that inner work, whether you do yes. it on your own, with a coach, with a therapist, with just your family members and having conversations. Is that accurate that that would be the next step? Yes, absolutely. Um, doing all of that, um, you know, uh, focusing on yourself, getting hobbies, uh, exploring, trying new things, traveling, you know, um, reading books, again, getting to know yourself, getting to know your values, your morals, you know, what it is that you want, what it is that you don't want, right? Um, educating yourself again on, you know, PTSD, uh, trauma bonding, and cognitive dissonance, um, and all the things that you experienced, um, grieving, you know, because sometimes, not all, but some people may think crying is weak or having emotions is weak. And um, like myself, I'm a highly sensitive person. So, you know, it's funny, I did some research and they say like, not a lot of people are like that. And so some of us, we may be scared to express our emotions and express our feelings. And I know that if you have been in a relationship with a narcissist, they have told you that your feelings are not valid. You're not allowed to be yourself. So you really have to get to a point where you can actually grieve and take as much time as you need, because this is really going to help you to get all of those emotions out. So that way you can process that and move forward. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I would say. And the other thing is, um, as far as if you realize and you have a narc in your life, you really want to make sure um, that, again, you're setting those boundaries. Don't tell the narcissist that, you know, you're going to leave them because they're going to try and do and say anything to stop you. You know, again, um, seek support. Don't give the narcissist any more cha uh, chances to change, right? And um yeah, block and delete this, this person from your life. Or if it's a family member, you have to distance yourself from them. Um, and it, it may be hard because that's all we know. A lot of us that have narcissistic parents, we feel like we owe everything to them. And but we're constantly being abused, whether not physically, but mentally, emotionally, you know, and so you have to, you know, really stand up for yourself and understand that you don't deserve that. 
you know, you deserve a lot better, you know? And so, um, but yeah. And then the other thing is, again, as we mentioned, doing the inner healing. So you have provided, again, just amazing advice for people (laughs) who are struggling. And as someone who has a loved one who displays a lot of narcissistic tendencies, it is so important to set the boundaries and to do the inner work and to recognize why you sometimes allow it to happen. You allow people to invalidate you and gaslight you Mm -hmm. because like you said, being afraid to express your emotions because someone has invalidated or gaslit you before may make you afraid to ever trust your emotions again. And then you might actually think you're crazy and that these people know better. Yes, absolutely. And then um, if there's one more thing that I can add for someone that is wanting to heal or move on again, um, set those boundaries, state them clearly, take your life back, reclaim your identity, practice self-compassion and understand feelings may linger. You may miss that person, whether it was, you know, family or friends, or it was a romantic partner, or could even be a job or anything like that, or it was coworkers or whatever. Um, And then the other thing is don't be afraid to talk to people about it. Don't hold it all in and feel like, oh, I got to deal with this on my own. Reach out. There's always help and support because I, I felt that way myself. I felt like I was dealing with it on my own. But once I went out on my YouTube channel and I made videos, I was like, oh, people are like supporting me. They like, oh, wow, like you helped me leave a narc relationship. Thank you. You know what I mean? And um, that was just so healing for me in itself, you know, so hopefully that can help someone. I just absolutely love everything (laughs) that you have said today. First of all, I just want to say as well. I love your shirt for those who are listening oh, and not you. watching. Thank you. Yourself. I absolutely love that. And like you said, feelings may linger. Yes. Just because you miss a relationship that you have doesn't mean you have to go back to it. It doesn't mean you deserve the support, the lack of support. Right. It doesn't right. mean that you deserve to be belittled just because you miss that person. It's exactly. okay to miss someone and still move forward. Mm-hmm. Yep, because I, I do find that um, a lot of my clients or, or folks that hit me up in the email, they're always saying like, oh, well, does a narc miss me? Is a narc ever going to change? You know, and I, I have to be honest, and I just tell them no. Um, I mean, the narc may miss their them being the supply, being the, them being an emotional punching bag, you know, um, but it's like, they don't miss you in the means like, you know, they saw you as a, a person with feelings and emotions. They didn't see you as that. They just saw you as an object to be used and dismantled and destroyed. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, a hard pill for a lot of the victims and survivors to um, accept. But I tell them, you know, really the, another key to moving on and healing is you have to accept that this person is never going to change. And once you can really accept that, then it's, it's not easy to heal. It's not. But um, it's just, it's baby steps. You have to take baby steps, you know, so. Exactly. And realizing that people don't change if they don't want to change. Exactly. If they don't recognize that they need to grow, they need to heal. They need to change the way that they are navigating relationships and speaking to people. And if they don't recognize that they need to change or they're not willing to accept support or help in that area, they're not going to change and trying to change yourself to fit into that is only going to hurt you. 
Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And the thing about it is, you know, it's better to, you know, accept this loss and understand you were dealing with a narcissist than, and do the inner healing than to keep attracting them over and over because that's, that's a pretty painful experience because you're just like, is everybody a narcissist? But no, it's not. It's just, we haven't worked through those patterns and, um, you know, dealing with our triggers and our emotions to, get us to work on our inner wounds that we may be dealing with, or it could be inner childhood stuff that we need to work through, but it gets better with time, but you, you definitely, you can't skip that, that inner healing. And it's, it's painful. I'm not going to lie. I, I had to deal with that myself and it's, it's not an easy road, but trust me in the end, it is, it's worth it because um, you realize you're a lot better without that person in your life. So. I love that again. Yeah. For- <laughs> Those who want to start the inner work, but don't know where to start or what that really means, can you give everyone a starting point or an example of a starting point? Um, Yeah, I would say um, maybe you want to write a letter to the narcissist, especially because a lot of them um, don't give you closure. Um, So maybe you can write a letter to the narcissist and tell them how you feel, um, how they, what the things and that they did and said to you, how it made you feel emotionally and just kind of go from there. I don't recommend sending it to the narcissist, <laughs> um, but burn it, um, you know, or throw it away or whatever, but it, it's good to kind of just get that out. Um, so that way that's, that's the start, you know, and then another start is, you know, um, getting that support, reaching out to someone and talking through your emotions and talking through your feelings. And then the other thing is just, rebuilding your life so what are you passionate about what do you love to do what are some things that make you happy what what were some of the things you were doing before you met the narcissist go and do that and then that'll kind of help with the inner healing and working through all that so yes exactly joy you have been absolutely incredible today the information (laughs) you've provided the vulnerability you've shared I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate um, being on here and hopefully it can help someone. And um, I was going to say, I like your hoodie too, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's definitely a pleasure and hopefully it can help many. So 